welcome to Taking the Party Out of Politics. This is a podcast about understanding how politics is supposed to work, why it isn't working, as well as it could be working, and what we might be able to do about it. Because by understanding a little bit more clearly how things are supposed to work and why they're a bit messed up, we might be able to get things to work a bit better, perhaps even a lot better. This is a little journey we're taking together about the systems and functioning of politics. Systems which we should all understand because those systems affect all of our lives, all of the time. And this podcast is about how we might be able to make those systems work a bit better. In season one, we took a look at how government is supposed to work from the perspective of us, the voters. In season two, we took a look at how government is supposed to work from the perspective of someone trying to get elected and then trying to do a good job. Looking ahead, in Season 3, we'll be looking at what we might be able to do to make things work a bit better. And importantly, when we do get to Season 3, we'll be sharing our ideas, but also sharing some of the best of your ideas about how to make things work a bit better. Today, welcome to the second episode of our mini-series, looking at people, organisations and issues which fall outside the established party political systems. We're looking at how some of those people and organisations are seeking to influence what happens in this country and in the world more generally. In other words, seeking to affect politics, but not necessarily bothered about party politics. And we'll be looking at some of the issues which currently aren't being addressed successfully by our political party-dominated system of politics. Today, we're going to look at citizens' assemblies. Briefly, bringing regular people together on behalf of us all, to learn about an issue, to talk about an issue, to make decisions about what to do about an issue. Perhaps a little bit like the 12 people who make up a jury in a court of law. They all come together to make decisions on behalf of all of us as to whether this person is guilty or not, based on the evidence which has been presented to them. We're going to be talking to Marine and Cathy again. They're the UK Citizens' Assembly representatives for Extinction Rebellion. We met them last time, and we're going to draw on their experience to understand why Extinction Rebellion believes that a citizens' assembly is a crucial part of getting any serious action taken about addressing the issues behind and around climate change. So, we're going to talk about, first, what is a citizens' assembly? Second, how does it work in practice? And third, do we want more of them? So first, what is a citizens' assembly? Now, this comes from a website, citizensassembly.co.uk. Quote, a citizens' assembly is a representative group of citizens who are selected at random from the population to learn about, deliberate upon, and make recommendations in relation to a particular issue or set of issues. It's still up to elected politicians whether or not to follow the assembly's recommendations. The aim is to secure a group of people who are broadly representative of the electorate across characteristics such as their gender, ethnicity, social class and the area where they live. End of quote. Now, you might think that this sounds like a focus group, but it isn't. A focus group is a group of people who are brought together to find out what people already think. Focus groups are sometimes used by politicians to look at what people think about different ideas or different ways of explaining those ideas sometimes by companies, to look at what people think about their products or their branding. An example of a focus group might be a group of people who are invited to say what they think about a perfume or about a breakfast cereal. 
A focus group might be asked what they think about a political issue such as Brexit or Scottish devolution, but a focus group isn't brought together for the organisers to make any effort to explain the issue to the participants or to inform their opinions. It's just to ask what the focus group participants already think. The objective of a focus group is to find out what people already think about something. But that's not what a citizens' assembly is. The point of a citizens' assembly is to find out what people think about an issue after they've learned all about it, and thought about it, and asked questions about it, and discussed it, and thought about it some more, all working together. OK, let's look a little more deeply into both why citizens' assemblies have something unique to offer our political processes and how exactly they work. We're going to do that today by looking at one of the UK's most prominent groups lobbying for a citizens' assembly, Extinction Rebellion. And again, to do that, we're going to be joined by the UK's two Extinction Rebellion coordinators for citizens' assembly, Cathy Conn and Marijn van der Geer. Now, you probably remember from our last episode that Extinction Rebellion wants the government, and indeed all institutions, to do something about climate change. In fact, they regard the challenge of doing something as so urgent, they use the term climate emergency, because if changing the way we live is going to have an impact on climate change, those changes need to happen now. So, you might well ask, what has all of that got to do with citizens' assemblies? The answer lies in the way that Extinction Rebellion doesn't want to force us into a particular solution to climate change, other than the fact that Extinction Rebellion is very clear that the situation is urgent. What Extinction Rebellion wants is for us to think about the issues, to learn about the issues, and then for us to decide on what action should be taken. And that's where citizens' assemblies come in. So, let's remind ourselves about the three demands from Extinction Rebellion. We're agreed we're in a crisis, and that's why, you know, that, that is sort of, that's why we have demand number one, which is tell the truth, demand number two, act now. So there's already that agreement, there is an emergency, we need to act now, demand number three, this is how we're going to do it. So the solutions would be coming from the Assembly. So people who have ideas about that would present to, to the Citizens' uh, Assembly, and they'd say, well, this is my idea. But then someone in the assembly can say, well, yeah, but in my situation, in my life, that wouldn't work. Or it would work, but we'd have to do it like this. And that you can only get that if you're talking to the people rather than a scientist or an expert or a politician sitting in an office somewhere saying, right, we're going to put wind farms everywhere. You know, someone from uh, northern Scotland will say, well, you can't put a, farm, a wind farm here because it's the last remaining habitat of the last remaining wildcat. You know, so if, if you don't speak to people from the various regions, from the various lived experiences, you'll, you'll, make, you'll set yourself up to fail. A citizens' assembly brings together a group of people who are asked to, quote, engage in serious, informed reflection on important policy matters with people they may never normally meet, end quote. It's not about what people already think. It's about what they think after they've learned about an issue, asked questions about an issue, and discussed the issue. That's the serious, informed reflection. So, second, how does it work in practice? Well, there are different parts to this. First, there's how you select the people who are going to be in the Citizens' Assembly. So what happens is that people are randomly selected, like for a jury, and we all 
are very happy with juries to sort of pass sentence and find people guilty or not. So um, uh, people are randomly selected, like for a jury, and then they're um, stratified. They're sorted into um, different groups to represent uh, gender, where they live in the country, um, attitude perhaps to climate, mm -hmm. uh, could age, be age. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole. So, how many people would be on a typical citizens' assembly? On a typical, well, I mean, really, there, there are varying um, cut-off numbers, but I mean, some people say from fifty up upwards. Yeah. I, I think we would think that at least a hundred, because you need you need that diversity in order to get the collective intelligence, in order to get the different range of age, experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, with 100 citizens, you can get a good sample of society. So you make sure that you have the right proportions of society. As It's a mini public, we often yeah. call it. Yeah. So we've got 100 people who yeah. are selected to represent society in terms of ages, yeah. ethnic backgrounds, Gen educational backgrounds, genders, yeah. all those sorts of things. Yes? Yeah. Um, and they're randomly selected... And that's the, the point you're making about jury service, insofar as people don't volunteer for this. Yeah, they're, no. they're, they're, dr they're drawn in. That's, yeah. that's the parallel with jury yeah. service. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then what happens? You've got 100 people together. What happens? They come together. Um, they're, uh, they're paid in order to make it sort of accessible so people feel that they can take part, because otherwise you're likely to get um, the, the most interested um, already who volunteer. And so... Um, all expenses are paid. Um, yeah, so cares. for example, if, if you work shift work and you're asked to come and be on the assembly for over the weekend, you would lose out on money, obviously. So that's why they make sure you do get paid so that that money isn't a barrier to you participating. Yeah. This is important. The people who are in the Citizens' Assembly need to be selected both randomly and carefully. That might sound contradictory, so let's unpick that. The members of the Citizens' Assembly are selected randomly in the same way as the members of a jury are selected randomly. You can't volunteer to be on a Citizens' Assembly just because you care passionately, one way or the other, about an issue. So it is random in the sense that it's objective, rather than based on passionate volunteering. You can't just apply to be on a particular Citizens' Assembly because you really care about that issue. But it is careful selection in the sense that it's important that the members of the Citizens' Assembly represent the population of the country. Some people who vote Tory, some people who vote Labour, some people who went to university, some who didn't, some younger, some older, and so on and so on. The idea is that with a group of about 100 people, you can get people who are pretty much a micro-version of the country, in terms of beliefs, assumptions, backgrounds, and so on. Again, from the website Citizens' Assembly, quote, in order to ensure that people from as wide a range of backgrounds as possible can attend, for example, those with dependent children or relatives, or just people who wouldn't usually get involved can attend, participants are typically paid for their time, end quote. Now, that's also important because it shouldn't be the case that you can't attend just because you can't afford to attend. Anyway, moving on. Second, there's how you describe the task the question which the members of the Citizens' Assembly are asked to reflect on. Now, this is important. There's usually a key task to consider, perhaps about whether abortion should be legal or whether there should be an independent Scotland. 
There's also a clear time frame. It might be that a certain number of days are allocated to the process, perhaps one weekend a month for a certain number of months, for example. How you phrase the question is important. Now, you may remember from our last episode that the third demand from Extinction Rebellion was for a citizens' assembly. It's phrased as, be the change. But what is intended is that there should be a citizens' assembly on what we should do about climate change. Now, there was a citizens' assembly on climate change. So that sounds as though Extinction Rebellion should be happy, right? Was that the citizens' assembly that XR wanted? No. (laughs) In what way not? What did it do and what didn't it do? Well, it didn't do very much. I mean, first of all, it was um, commissioned by six select committees and the six select committees are advisory. So um, there was never any government buy-in. So um, that was its initial limitation. Um, It started out also, the question was determined by the six select committees, which was um, how to get to net zero by 2050. Well, you know, obviously they were only presented with information that supported that. There was nothing outside the box. There was no way they could extend their thinking and... um, so, yes, that wasn't uh, very good. There weren't any public submissions, so the public couldn't... F- normally there are submissions from the public where they can uh, feed in um, some of their ideas that get collated, and then often the Citizens' Assembly will consider it. That didn't happen. Um, but there are... I mean, I, I'm sort of quite... Um, Mariah's a bit more positive about um, some of the... Well, uh, oh, and also there was no publicity. Oh, yeah. No one knew it was going on unless you knew. You, unless you, unless you knew, yeah. And and interesting, I mean, big respect for how it was organised. And they did actually ask us to be in like a sort of advisory capacity, which we turned down because we said we will only do it if the 2050 target can be debated. And they said, no, that's not in the mandate of the Assembly. So we said, well, we can't support it then because that 2050 is a death sentence. So we can't support that. So, but it was a good, robust process, despite its limitations. Yes, yeah. So they had somebody from Rolls-Royce presenting and saying, you know, how wonderful it was to be able to take uh, flights (laughs) to go and see your relatives. But yeah, we all know that. And we all, you know, that's... But we have to move a bit beyond. It was a very... It was good that they had that variety. variety. And also what was good, and that was sort of the first time this had been done, I think, is that they selected people on how they felt about the climate crisis. So they based it on a survey that had been done around the country beforehand. So they had the percentages, you know, X percent of people in the UK don't care about climate change, X percent of people really care about it, and then everything in between. So they matched yeah. that those feelings about climate change to the people who were selected. In, selected to be in the assembly. So you did have people in there who were like, meh, don't care. Um, and they were the most interesting ones, actually, because they really went on a journey, because suddenly... They're getting all the climate science explained to them and they had the opportunity to ask questions to some really pretty amazing climate scientists and they were like, oh, uh, right, 
I had no idea it was this bad. And you see them changing. And equally, you see people who come in with very sort of, you know, we just got to stop uh, fossil fuels now. We've got to do this. And everyone needs to... They actually are then, you know, there's conversations with someone who needs a car because they're a care worker or they need, you know, they have certain needs in their lives and you see them going, okay, right, so we can't be that hard-lined. We need to we need to figure out how we can make the transition, but it's still, we could still support people from being able to get from A to B, especially stuff like care or, you know, mm. medical I mean, care. People things. modify their, yeah. their thinking by... by yeah. Um, having good information um, and talking to other people. Yeah. So that was. You, yeah, yeah. You change So so that was often. really great from it. Uh, also, the the people from Climate Assembly UK, the the assembly members said, "Why are we even talking about 2050?" So they themselves were like, "Clearly, it needs to be much sooner." Even though it wasn't up for discussion, they also themselves said we need to look at social justice you know we can't have the poor bearing the brunt and the elite making money out of this equally they were worried about global self uh you know how is it going to impact them so the way in which the question is put to the citizens assembly if you like the target and the parameters of the discussion well that's really important it affects what comes out of the process now let's think of an example which might help us to understand this If I ask you which film you want to watch on TV tonight, the one on Film 4 or the one on BBC One, well, then that might sound as though I'm really giving you the control to choose what we do. But actually, I'm really not. First of all, I'm restricting the choice to either a film or a film. Second, I'm restricting the choice to watching TV or, well, watching TV. Perhaps you wanted to go out or play chess or just to read your own book somewhere. So the way in which the question is asked can really affect the possible outcomes. There are lots of examples of questions which can lead you down blind alleyways or in directions which are not helpful. For Extinction Rebellion, the UK Climate Assembly was misled because it was asked to work out what action should be taken to have an effect by 2050 when most of the science says that action needs to be taken by 2025 for it to have enough effect to stop the changes being caused to our climate. But then it's also important that the government is fully engaged with the process not just letting it take place at arm's length. That's a bit like your parents saying, you're welcome to say what you like about what you'd like to watch on TV tonight, but you have to say it in the garden shed while they're sitting in the lounge. You're not likely to be able to influence what your family watches on TV unless you're able to say it to everyone's face, are you? So there were some really good things that came out of it, but obviously because it wasn't uh, uh, commissioned by the government, it was commissioned by... Not, not even Parliament, but by select committees of Parliament, so even lower down the pecking order, <laughs> nothing's happened with it. And um, I'm, I'm worried that these reports are, you know, nice doorstops in someone's dusty office. But other than that, uh, we have some minimum standards that we expect if we want the third demand met. And one of them is upfront clear commitment you know if if the recommendations are this what will the government do if the recommendations are that will you know upfront agreement publicly announced what what they will do um and also a, a real minimum uh, uh standard would be there needs to be huge publicity so every single person in the uk is aware 
there's a group of people amongst them people like me that I can identify with who are going to make decisions that are going to affect all of us and we are going to be watching this like a hawk and if the government then backs out and says oh actually no we think you know we're, we're going to continue flying and in fact we're actually going to reduce taxes on flights you know things like that that the entire country will be aware of this deceit and um, that is what's been lacking. Third, there's how you manage the process of the Citizens' Assembly. That normally involves three phases. First, learning. Second, consultation. And third, deliberation and discussion. So the process starts with the members of the Citizens' Assembly learning about the process. Even before learning about the issue, there's normally a stage of training about how to be a good member of a Citizens' Assembly. That doesn't mean telling you what to think, but it does mean telling you how to discuss issues constructively with others, about disagreeing politely, disagreeing about an issue but not calling or even thinking that the other person is stupid, for example. Uh, usually they rent out a hotel so that there's a big space where they can have the assembly, but also people can stay there over the weekend. So like a big conference room, a big yeah. wedding reception. Yeah, like exactly, okay. exactly. And they'll have lots of round tables where people can sit in groups um, and they'll obviously have a welcome and, you know, thank you so much for being here and a bit of an introduction of what's going to happen. And then, as Cathy said, um, there'll be training on bias. So literally what bias means is you will already have your opinions about certain things before you even step into the room, whether that's, you know, the worst form of bias, obviously, is something like racism or sexism, you will bring that with you, whether you know it or not. So it's identifying that within yourself, but also you're going to have people presenting to you about climate science, for example, or whatever, so that you are trained to recognize their bias. What are they bringing? Which company are they from? You know, if they're from a fossil fuel company, they're going to try and convince you that fossil fuels are great from the planet. I mean, that's a really obvious Mm. example, but there will be things like that. So I think that is the first, there'll be introductions and stuff like that and, you know, kind of try and get everybody to know each other. Um, There's facilitation, so there's always people there to help get the conversation going. But that's where it starts. Then there's learning about the subject or consultation, perhaps presentations from experts, perhaps from pressure groups, perhaps from members of the public, probably with questions from the members of the Citizens' Assembly to the experts and the pressure groups and the members of the public because it's important to tease out all of the issues and to make sure that everyone understands everything fully rather than just jumping to conclusions. And then the learning takes place where um, there are all sorts of presentations, uh, wide-ranging, different... um, You'd also hear from economists, from historians, because we think it's really important for people to understand um, how we've got to this um, place... So they, they listen to um, a wide range of evidence, really. And they can ask a good citizens' assembly. They should be able to invite people to present that they've heard about. And um, we, the expectation is, is that not just mainstream points of view are presented, that there's some radical thinking, there's some alternative thinking... And so they're all learning together and they're all learning the same 
they all have the same information and then they break down break into small groups of about eight to twelve people um, sitting around a table not across at each other they're not yeah. trying to, to win they're trying to um, weigh up the pros and the cons and the trade-offs and they talk together and they bring they deliberate which is really it's active listening it's um, being able to empathize with other people that you're you're in front of people who have a very different life experience to you that you might have no notion about you might never have spent time with somebody who's unemployed you might have no idea what life is for them and it's that exchange and it's the co- it's it's the the collective intelligence of these people and it's not down to how clever or anything any one individual is but it's that dynamic of diversity and you know everybody's an expert in their own line life everybody's got something to to give and to bring and it's that that gives you um much uh better form informed and um wide-ranging and radical, uh, much more radical, um, recommendations. And finally, there's deliberation and discussion. The members of the Citizens' Assembly discuss together what they've heard and try to work out what they agree is right. This process also normally involves coming out with some recommendations, although what sort of recommendations will depend on the way in which the question has been set up. Remember that Extinction Rebellion wasn't happened with the question about what to do about climate change because it was phrased in terms of what to do to get to net zero by 2050. And the reason is because Extinction Rebellion, along with many, many international experts and scientists, it has to be said, well, Extinction Rebellion believes that action needs to be taken by 2025, not 2050. And Extinction Rebellion wasn't happy that the Climate Change Citizens' Assembly wasn't set up by the government, but had been set up by some parliamentary committees with the result that the government simply ignored the recommendations which were made by the Citizens' Assembly. The process is often publicised, so that although the Citizens' Assembly members are the ones going through the process, the general public is kept up to speed with what is happening. Now, This is important. Not only is this a process of educating the public at the same time, letting us all know what's going on, This is also a way of not just being transparent so that we all know what's been happening and is above board and can follow all the steps, but also of building trust so that the general public feels that the Citizens' Assembly genuinely does represent them and that the issues are all being considered fully so that the general public feels a general level of support and trust in the outcomes of the Citizens' Assembly, even if they weren't following all the details of all of the steps. Finally, there's what you do with the results of the deliberation and discussion. This is normally part of the way in which you describe the task. For example, the way in which you phrase a question gives an indication of what you expect from the process. If I ask you which film you want to watch, I expect to know which film. I don't expect the answer, oh no, actually I'd rather go out. But it also involves what the government, because we're usually talking about the government or at least some sort of administrative body, It also involves what the government is going to do with the results. The expectation is normally that the government is either going to have to follow the recommendations of the Citizens' Assembly or is going to have to have a pretty good reason why not and will have to explain that reason publicly. What we really want is a citizen... So, for example... This is we, Extinction Rebellion, yeah. 
is that this citizens' assembly um, gets taken on board by the government because what do you mean, what do you mean by taken so, on board? So, so for example, you can have a citizens' assembly and some amazing recommendations come out of it, um, but the government's like, yeah, that's great, but we're not going to do that. You know, they're like, ugh, that sounds too much hard work, or my best friend in the oil companies isn't going to like it. You know, things like that. So they ignore it. And that's what's been happening a lot with citizens' assemblies. So the assemblies themselves have been pretty good, but then the recommendations actually just get ignored. So what we really hope with our third demand, this citizens' assembly for climate and ecological justice, is that there's so much pressure on the government to take on the recommendations from the citizens' assembly and that we then prove, actually, this is a good thing because we're helping the government make better decisions, more informed, fairer, more just, more equal, and that if they take it on and we prove it's a success, then they can be like, oh, well, actually, let's do a citizen's assembly about healthcare or education or, you know, and that, so we're really hoping by creating this pressure, and because we're with Extinction Rebellion, that's what we do, we create the pressure, that if we can get that one in and get it good and taken on, that that will then lead the way for other similar processes to happen. That's the dream. So let's recap all of that. That's randomly select citizens, but in a way which represents wider society. Hear from experts and stakeholders. Hear from the public. Have facilitated deliberation in groups. Draft recommendations and vote on them. And then the government implements the recommendations or has a very good reason not to do so. One of the other terms which is used to talk about what citizens' assemblies do is deliberative democracy. There are many different models of deliberative democracy, but one thing they all share is putting people at the centre of decision-making. Every form of deliberative democracy involves everyday citizens like you and me discussing an issue in order to come up with suggestions or solutions together. The point about calling it deliberative democracy is to distinguish it from what a pressure group might lobby for. For example, the NRA, the National Rifle Association in the USA, well, the NRA lobbies to ensure that what gun laws there are, are as loose and as unrestrictive as possible. This isn't necessarily what the average American citizen wants, but it's the result of the pressure applied by the lobby group. It's also to distinguish it from what a political party might ideologically think is the right thing. More regulation or less regulation of a particular thing based not on what the average citizen might want, but based on what the political ideology of that particular political party thinks is right. Deliberative democracy, then, is not driven by any ideology. It's not driven by a particular group. It's about a group. Remember, a group which represents us as a society, rich and poor, young and old. That group coming together, learning, thinking, discussing and trying to work out what should be done, as objectively as possible. Trying to work out what the right answer is, and what the correct action is which the government should take. And that's what a citizens' assembly is trying to achieve. Now, you might ask, why not leave it up to the politicians? Well, let's look at this on the Extinction Rebellion website. Citizens' assemblies are good at dealing with big, wide-ranging and complex problems, We urgently need solutions that everyone can get behind, and politicians need our help. Now, 
If you followed all of the thinking behind taking the party out of politics, you might well be ahead of me here, but let's follow this through anyway. Extinction Rebellion believes that, quote, part of the problem is the way electoral politics works. Political power in the UK is in the hands of a few elected politicians. Over the last 40 years, this system has proved incapable of making the long-term decisions needed to deal with the climate and ecological emergency. Politicians simply can't see past the next election. Members of Parliament are lobbied by powerful corporations, seek sympathetic media coverage and calculate their policies based on potential public reactions and opinion polls. This leaves many of them either unable or unwilling to make the bold changes necessary to address the emergency. Unquote. And Extinction Rebellion believes that a citizens' assembly can break that deadlock because, quote, a citizens' assembly on climate and ecological justice would empower citizens to take the lead so that politicians would be less fearful of political backlash. Experts might propose different policies for how to get to net zero along with the pros and cons of each. The citizens' assembly would decide which they think is the best option, unquote. But a citizens' assembly is not just for Christmas. It has wider applications than just for climate change. What we would love to see is for this, this citizens' assembly that we're demanding to be a huge success and then for citizens' assemblies to just be rolled out for all sorts of topics. You know, it can be used for anything, not just climate and ecological emergency. Another final important point about citizens' assemblies is that it's about people working together to find the right solutions to a challenge. It's not a fight. It's not about trying to prove who's right and who's wrong. It's not a confrontation. But a lot of our party politics is exactly that. Confrontational. I only win if you lose. This oppositional thing in, in the House of Parliament, you'll have seen it on TV, you've got these benches facing each other <laughs> and the government sits on one side and the opposition sits on the other side and it is literally about opposition. Whereas what we need is to work together. I mean, it's basic, you know. We need to, we're all on this together. We're all effed, as we say in, in uh, XR. So there is, there's no time for these petty arguments that they come up with a plan, therefore we're the opposition, we're automatically going to hate it and vice versa. We need to all pull together and do this. So, so deliberative democracy, i.e. a citizens' assembly in this case, is, is a great tool to bring people together. And there will be compromise. You have to, you have to get consensus. So, citizens' assemblies. A hundred people, or thereabouts, who are selected to broadly represent the population of the country. They come together, they learn about how to work together as effectively as possible, and they learn all about a particular issue. They learn about people who want such and such, and they learn about the people who absolutely don't want such and such. There are specialists who are helping to ensure that the process is as collaborative and as positive and as fair as possible, to ensure that as many of the participants as possible take part, and that as many as possible end up agreeing with whatever answer the whole group comes up with. It's participatory. It's collaborative. And if it's set up right, it could take the whole country with it, sharing the ideas and the information with everyone. And then the government not only has to do something about the recommendations, or have a very good explanation about why it isn't doing it, the recommendations actually give the government a really good explanation as to why they're doing it. 
Because even if governments focusing on their five-year cycle of getting re-elected often don't have the courage to take on the slightly difficult longer-term challenges, the recommendations from a citizens' assembly would give the government a really simple, watertight explanation as to why they're taking it on. The people really got together, or at least a representative group of the people, in the citizens' assembly. They learned about it, they thought about it, they talked about it, and this is what they wanted. So this is really what the whole country would want if the whole country was given the opportunity to be part of the Citizens' Assembly. So, let's do it. In fact, if the UK government wasn't paying attention to the UK Climate Assembly, perhaps they missed a real opportunity. Next time. Next time, we're going to look at another instance where there's a clash between what our politicians might be focused on and what the country actually needs. We're going to look at public health health issues, and adjusting what happens in the country and in society to improve public health, well, as you can imagine, that all happens on the sort of timescale of years, decades, generations. We don't sort out the health of everyone in the country over a weekend. But our electoral cycle for politicians, whether at the local, regional or national level, means that a lot of the focus for our politicians is on making sure that the electorate is happy with what they've done over a four or five year period. We're going to be in conversation with the Deputy Director for Public Health for Lincolnshire to discuss what public health is all about and how the relationship between public health timescales and electoral timescales, how that works out in practice. The interests of the country and the pressures of electoral timescales. That's what we're going to look at next time. For now, thank you for listening. Thank you again to Cathy Conn and Marijn van der Geer, Internal and External Coordinators for the Citizens' Assembly Working Group for Extinction Rebellion UK. If you'd like to have a look at the transcripts for the podcast, including links to all our sources and references, please go to www.talktogether.info and follow the links to the podcast from there. And of course, if you'd like to contact us, not least if you'd like to share any ideas which you have about how we could make things better, then please email us anytime on info at talktogether.info. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then I'll hope you'll take the time to tell your friends. And perhaps you could also take a moment to give us a rating wherever you found us. That not only helps other people to find us, it just also really makes us feel appreciated. That would be great. Thank you.